Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com to call to deliver his budget statement, Mr. Chancellor of the Exchequer. Today, the Chancellor of the Exchequer will unveil the budget in Parliament, explaining how he hopes the British economy can steer a steady course through the choppy waters caused by the pandemic. What I'm focused on right now is preparing a budget that provides support for people and businesses and families through the remaining stages of this crisis. But who is Rishi Sunak? the man behind the famous red box. He is a really, really hard-working person. He can work very long hours. He doesn't eat very much. (laughs) He doesn't drink. Just over a year ago, he was a little-known politician. Now, he's not only in one of the highest offices of state, helping to run the country in a time of national crisis, but he's also attracting attention for his slick personal branding. People used to complain to us about the number of pictures he had in our papers, but that's because he was absolutely everywhere. But whilst his poll ratings are riding high, as the Chancellor who hands out help in a crisis, could that be about to change as he tightens the purse strings? It's been a very, very long honeymoon so far, but it could just be a honeymoon for Rishi Sunak. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today... Who is Rishi Sunak, the man behind the budget? It's budget day. At half past 12, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, will address the House of Commons, setting out the nation's budget for the coming year. It's been a meteoric rise for the 40-year-old, who was only elected to Parliament in 2015. I remember when the Prime Minister offered me this job, he told me my face was a complete picture of shock. He's already released a sleek new social media video to promote his forthcoming appearance without giving away 
any of the details of what might be in the budget. At the heart of this budget will be honesty and fairness, honesty about our situation, but also honesty about our long term. Will he raise taxes? There are rumours of a hike in corporation tax and a stealth rise in income tax. But raising taxes and handing out help on the scale of the furlough scheme aren't normally the hallmarks of a Tory Chancellor. But then, these are exceptional times. But what does the man behind the budget really believe? What do we know about Rishi Sunak? To find out more, we've spoken to friends, locals in his Yorkshire constituency, and those who've watched his dizzying rise closely. I'm Matt Chorley. I present a show on Times Radio, Monday to Thursday, 10 to 1. And I also write a column in the Times on a Saturday. So tell me a bit about Rishi Sunak. You've watched him over the last few years. Give us a little potted history of the man. Yeah, so I mean, I've been covering politics now for 15, 16 years. So to me, Rishi Sunak is still a sort of new, young, high flyer. You know, one to watch in the future. It was elected in 2015. There was a lot of attention on him right from the beginning because he was elected in the old constituency of William Hague. Hi, I'm Rishi Sunak, the uh, Conservative parliamentary candidate for Richmond in North Yorkshire. It's a plum Tory constituency, big Tory majority. And he actually beat off some competition from long-serving local Conservative councillors. And he was seen as a bit of a surprise choice I've spoken to William Hay before about how some of the racism and things that Rishi Sunak faced in a sort of traditional conservative rural county. And I think he overcame a lot of that basically by throwing himself completely into the constituency. What is his backstory? What do we know about his background? He likes to paint it as being ordinary. His parents were born in the Punjab, came to England in the 60s. His dad was a a GP. His mum was a pharmacist. Solidly upper middle class. He went to Winchester College, which is an all-boys private boarding school. He became the head boy. He was the editor of the school paper and all that sort of thing. He went to Oxford and did the classic PPE, philosophy, politics and economics. He joined Goldman Sachs in his 20s. So he earned quite a lot of money working in the city. His wife, Akshatamurti, she's the daughter of a billionaire tech giant as well. So he probably felt he had to go above and beyond to sort of really win over that constituency. And, and by and large, seems to have done that quite successfully. While also always being on everyone's list of ones to watch, possible future prime minister... So Rishi Sunak... A young British Asian, born in Southampton, public school educated, a high flyer in the city, used to living and working in London and California, was, back in 2015, at the age of 35, parachuted into the safe, rural and very conservative seat of Richmond in North Yorkshire. I'm Chris Lloyd. I am chief feature writer at the Northern Echo and the Darnton Stockton Times, Rishi Sunak's local weekly newspaper. And he writes a column for it as well on a weekly basis. Is it a must-read column? If you read between the lines, it's a must-read column, yes. It's all about what he's uh, (laughs) up to in the local community. From a national perspective, it's not the most revealing, but it does show how immersed he is in the local area, which is probably from his point of view the whole point of it. And is he immersed in the local area? Well, it's become more difficult as he has risen up the tree, but that's what won him over in the early days. He was obviously parachuted into the area and 
by his very nature was a standout figure in North Yorkshire. But he did really immerse himself in the area and he started turning up all over the place at all the farmers shows in particular. And I was just astounded when he acquired an intimate knowledge of milk marketing and pricing, which is something that's uh, of of real importance up here. He was photographed standing alongside the dry stone walls, wearing artfully muddied wellies. I think at the beginning of his turn out here, they were blue wellies. And as everyone knows in Yorkshire, you should really wear green wellies, but they're very quickly changed and the mud on them seem to become more and more (laughs) genuine as well. Once you know Yorkshire, you do really wear green wellies. Quite clearly the towny. Yes, and he looks a townie as well. I think he had to overcome a great deal of scepticism when he first arrived. He had defeated a fairly popular uh, local candidate to get the seat in the first place. Then North Yorkshire is 100% white and he clearly stood out and being different and his background stood him out as very different. So he had an awful lot of hurdles to overcome and he did it by being ubiquitous, by getting really into the nitty gritty of people's lives. And people used to complain to us about the number of pictures he had in our papers, but that's because he was absolutely everywhere. The image thing isn't new then, the being pictured everywhere. That was very much part of his early days, yes. Tell me about the first time you came across him. How did he go down in the constituency? The first time I came across him was when I was invited to meet him in a Weatherspoons pub in Richmond, which is probably instructive in its own way. Richmond is full of beautiful country pubs, but we met in a Weatherspoons because he's a down-to-earth sort of a bloke and that is a down-to-earth sort of a pub. The first time I really saw him in action was when he came out in favour of Brexit. Was that a popular stance locally? It was a popular stance locally, yet uh, he was one of the first, really, to uh, so publicly adopt Brexit as a good Conservative cause. And then he went out locally, where he was very honest in the way he addressed it. He was very certain there would be big global benefits for Britain. But he also said that there would be downsides. He said it was quite a close-run decision for him, although he was persuaded of it. And he took it to the people. And and there was some quite hostile questioning, but North Yorkshire was very Brexity, and so he, it was probably a good move for him locally. It really endeared him to the constituents. His constituency is absolutely huge geographically, and he was just able to speak to people. So people were able to just kind of meet him and get to know him, which was all about those early days. He had huge shoes to fill in North Yorkshire. You have to remember that as well, because William Haig had been the MP for getting on for 20 years, and Rishi Sunak chose to fill those shoes by doing what Haig hadn't really been able to do in his latter years, which was to get out into all these grassroots communities. You took over from me here two years ago. Uh, I can see how popular you are with people here. How are you enjoying it? Well, I'd say representing everyone in Westminster in in Parliament has been an extraordinary privilege. Probably been the greatest honour of my life. What would you say are the big local issues now? The last few years I've been focused relentlessly on better broadband, uh, which we still need to improve, making sure that our young people have great schools and apprenticeships to go to. What did his predecessor, a political titan in the Tory party, make of the young MP. I first heard about Rishi from William Hague. Danny Finkelstein is an associate editor and columnist at The Times and a Conservative member of the House of Lords, as well as someone who considers himself a friend of the Chancellor's. William Hague's not, if anyone knows him, a person given to great amounts of emoting about other people. And it was very striking when he told me that 
the new person in his constituency was going to be a man called Rishi Sunak and how highly he thought of him. So I was very impressed even before I ever <laughs> met him. I realised when he said it that I actually, in fact, had come across him, that he'd done some work for a think tank I was involved in, Policy Exchange, uh, where he'd done some work on the Conservative Party and ethnic minorities. But the first time I was really aware of him was when William said that. When you had actually met him, tell me your first impressions. The thing about Rishi, which is very impressive, is the way that he can combine his obvious intelligence and dynamism, his strong views, which aren't always the same as mine, although sometimes they end up being mine because he's very persuasive, and a lot of charm, sort of humble and sensitive personality. He never is too big for his boots, and you always feel as though he's listening to what you're saying as well as telling you what he thinks. Did you think in that first meeting that this was a potential star of the party? Oh, completely. One of the things that's really interesting in politics is how far out it was possible to work out that someone's going to be a political star. And Rishi Sunak absolutely belongs in that. You knew immediately that you were dealing with someone who was going to be at the top level. What are those traits? To be a really successful operator in politics, you have to be intellectually capable. Charm is very important, and Rishi does definitely have that. You've got to have the ability to make difficult choices and be a leadership figure. That, I think, we're still going to see, aren't we? He's really got the most difficult decisions ahead of him. But certainly it was the case that when he had to explain to the country his policy and that of the government, at a moment where I think there was some questioning about whether the government you know, was in control of the situation or the situation was in control of the government. I can announce that for the first time in our history, the government is going to step in and help to pay people's wages. We're setting up a new coronavirus job retention scheme. Government grants will cover 80% of the salary of retained workers, up to a total of £2,500 a month. That's just above the median income. Rishi Sunak was very reassuring, and I think that's the reason why his ratings have been so high. People found him a convincing and reassuring figure. None of those things are things you can invent. You can improve, definitely, but you can't invent those things. You just are who you are. He is. A really, really hard-working person. He can work very long hours. He doesn't eat very much. <laughs> he doesn't drink. He keeps his concentration till really quite late. That is maybe a fold-over of his financial services career, but that's certainly a part of his makeup. That concentration and eye for detail isn't just trained on the country's balance sheet. Danny says it extends to the people around him too. Everyone who knows me knows I drink a large amount of Diet Coke. And if you're with Rishi, you have to be kind of careful to stop the chance of the exchequer tidying up your cans and everything. He doesn't stand on ceremony. I, just, I, I like, honestly have to go, Rishi, do you think you can put that down? He'll sort of suddenly go up in the middle of a meeting and I'm like, where are you going? And he's like gone to get me a Diet Coke from the fridge. Which was fine, except that there's like a meeting and several people are like, depending. anyway, as you can tell from this, I really like him and it's a bit embarrassing. But the truth is he just is actually very nice. He's also married to the daughter of a billionaire. He's clearly wealthy. Is that a hindrance in politics? If I'm going to be criticised, I would love to be criticised for the slickness of my PR. I would absolutely love my greatest political weakness to be that my wife's dad was a billionaire. But does that play well with the electorate? Do you know, actually, I think the voters are remarkably uninterested in those things, weirdly. They do want somebody who's actually achieved things and done things. But, but the... 
the Eaton attack on David Cameron got nowhere. Everybody who's listening has their own bubble that they belong to. Nobody's typical. And everybody knows that intuitively. So although it's an element in your profile, the interesting thing is people are quite sensible about these things. And actually, they don't expect him to not be who he is. And what's he supposed to do about that? Clearly, Rishi Sunak is a man who wins people over. But despite being Chancellor, he hasn't been in politics for long. So what do we know about his political ideology? Here's Matt Chorley again. He's not afraid to go against the grain. He was only a junior minister appointed under David Cameron, but he was one of the few ministers who backed leave in the 2016 referendum. Mm. And I think there were some people at the top, obviously, you know, Michael Gove was the most prominent of the cabinet ministers who went against David Cameron. Boris Johnson obviously wasn't even in the cabinet. But I think to be a junior minister doing that at a time when the Remain campaign was in the ascendancy, it was ahead in all the polls, it seemed like the most likely outcome at the beginning. I think that shows a degree of thoughtfulness and political courage or individualism that slightly marked him out a bit. Rishi Sunak, still a parliamentary undersecretary at the time, was also one of the first to back Boris Johnson's leadership campaign in 2019. It was a red box comment piece. Sunak, Robert Jenrick and Oliver Dowden. These three almost unknown junior ministers tipped as the future ranks of the party. They wrote this piece for us with the headline, the Tories are in deep peril only Boris Johnson can save us. At that point, nobody in the country had heard of them. But within the Tory party, amongst Tory MPs, that was seen as like, oh, OK, Boris Johnson really has got this sewn up now. This group of young liberal Tory ministers felt this was the way the wind was blowing and their future probably did lie in a Boris Johnson-led uh, government. But they were willing to not just sort of sit tight and keep stum and hope they'd get a job. They were willing to sort of go all in with him. And lo and behold, what have we got now? We've got Rishi Sunak the Chancellor, Robert Jennings the Housing Secretary, and Oliver Downs the Culture Secretary. And also, I mean, let's not forget, he was made the Chancellor 12 months ago because the last guy quit in protest. It, yes. Dominic Cummings wanted to have control over the number 11 machine. The Chancellor, Sajid Javid, has resigned suddenly in the middle of the Prime Minister's reshuffle. Boris Johnson said he wanted him to stay on, but ordered him to fire his entire team of advisers. Mr Javid refused to do that, saying no self-respecting minister could accept such a condition. And of course, that was seen as like a really dramatic moment that whoever was going to be installed, therefore, was going to be the puppet. And actually, the opposite has happened. Mm. Rishi Sunak can do whatever he likes now, because Boris Johnson can't lose two chancellors. But is there another side to the chancellor? one we haven't seen yet. I think one of the things that's really interesting about Rishi Sunak is we don't know a huge about about him and what his long-term politics might be. Were he not just turned 40, but 55 and white and had been knocking around politics for a long time, would he be quite so interesting? Is it the fact that he is younger and a bit more glamorous and not white, all those things actually mean he stands out in a Westminster bubble. Has he been made more interesting by some social media posts that someone else has been doing for him? That's basically my excuse for saying there's not very many stories about him. Coming up, Matt and Danny look ahead. What can we expect from the Chancellor as he grapples to pay for the pandemic? 
Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. I'm Oliver Moody, the Berlin correspondent for The Times, here to tell you about a new podcast investigation for stories of our times. The Spider in the Web, the Hans Globke story. His daily routine was to draft bills and write texts. One of the forgotten Machiavellis of the 20th century. He did the Nazi salute. He signed his official letters with Heil Hitler. The man who helped to lay the legal basis for the Holocaust. You can commit huge crimes and nobody will punish you if you always stay with power. And then came back to build the foundations of modern Germany. An untold number of former Nazis were able to prosper. For more than 70 years, much of this story has been locked away in classified sections of government archives. It's an important reminder of the tension between morality and state interest. But recently, those archives around the country have begun to open up, revealing their secrets. If Globka were responsible for the deportation of any Jews, he should have been tried. The Spider in the Web, the Hans Globka story, a two-part podcast, out this Thursday on Stories of Our Times. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. In March last year, weeks after he'd been appointed Chancellor, the country went into the first national lockdown and Rishi Sunak faced the unenviable task of financially propping up the economy. Unsurprisingly, the unprecedented scale of government handouts proved popular with the British public, 
as Matt Chorley explains. He's currently the most popular politician in Britain. His poll ratings are way above anything that Boris Johnson or Matt Hancock could imagine. Also, Keir Starmer too. So he's got this sort of incredible power base. And I think what's going to be really interesting, and we probably might not even get this from this budget because we're still a little bit in the crisis, but where does Rishi Sunak go next? Does he accept high levels of borrowing? as a price of a bigger state because people want more spent on the NHS, they want more spent on social care, maybe even willing to tolerate slightly higher levels of taxation. Is he going to go after big companies, your Amazons, who've done very well out of the crisis of the last 12 months, but don't pay anything like the tax of companies like your BHS and your Debenhams that were mainstays of the high street but have gone bust? Does he think that there's a place for state intervention in supporting your high streets and that sort of thing? Is he happy to see higher levels of spending on welfare? So far, he gives the impression that he isn't because he hasn't supported making permanent this extra £20 a week on universal credit. So I think we'll start to see what sort of politician Rishi Sunak is probably in the next 12 months, more so than the last 12 months. And tell me about the slight tension, I suppose, between ideologically he would be a more reluctant spender and the challenge he's ended up in where he's been, you know, the big spender in the Treasury. The really interesting thing isn't just about Rishi Sunak. It's also about the position the Conservative Party finds itself in. That's Danny Finkelstein again. Not just because of the coronavirus, but also because of Brexit. The Conservative Party has substantially changed its own voter base. It has a voter base more dependent on government spending than it has ever had. And that means that its judgment between spending and taxation is inevitably influenced by its new political reality. That's interesting. The second thing is that it's also gone into this crisis having already gone through 10 years of trying to find every bit of waste that they could find in public spending and fully aware there isn't that much more that you can do. Those things together are big challenges. I think it would be a mistake to concentrate just on the big strategic judgments that Rishi Sunak has to make and think also about the difficult political challenges that the Conservative Party has to face, given the voter base that it developed. I'm sure that he is concerned that closing the fiscal gap, partly through tax rises, will be politically controversial with his own party. And part of the reason for that is that the Conservative Party itself hasn't decided what it really thinks now. What is the correct balance for it to strike between public spending and tax? He's got so much credit in the bank with the electorate right now. He's managed to do quite well so far delivering good news, looking Mm. presentable and looking like a serious grown-up who knows what he's doing. He may well just get credit for also delivering bad news in the same way. And while his popularity has soared outside Westminster, how is Rishi Sunak viewed within his own party? There are some of his colleagues who do get a bit irritated by the Rishi Sunak that exists mainly on Instagram. So there was this sort of habit that when Rishi Sunak made an announcement that he was spending lots of money, he would have these very slick graphics that were put out with his signature on, signed off by Rishi Sunak. But actually, of course, this isn't Rishi Sunak's money. This is the taxpayers' money. It's the government's money. Why did it not have HM government on it? And so there were definitely irritations that I could name government (laughs) ministers and MPs who just felt that it all got a bit too much, that he needed to rein it in a bit. And there was the preparing for a statement wearing a hoodie. 
Here's how Matt reacted to that scene at the time on his Times radio show. a busy man about town who runs the country where to work when he's also trying to look cool. Stay sharp and casual with our new range from Rishi Sunak. Pair a collared shirt and tie which says man who means business with a grey hoodie which says I'm so careful with the pennies I refuse to put the heating on. That's Rishi at CNA. There was the £200 smart mug that cropped up in one of the pictures. And on the face of it, of course, it's worked incredibly well. People know who he is and he seems a bit cooler and different to the rest of the toy party. But there was definite irritation that the autograph was a bit naff, was a bit Walt Disney, it was a bit sort of celebrity pasta sauce. And that actually he's part of a team, he's part of a government. And what you can't have is Rishi Sunak's signature on the spending money on furlough. But then it's the Conservative Party who get beaten about the head when they stop furlough. I think there was just a slight sense of, well, is he part of this team or not? I think he's played quite a canny game. Some of it is jealousy. Some of it is irritation. Some of the people I know who get most annoyed about him are actually the ones who have enjoyed their own little bit in the limelight of being the sort of media darling for a while. I suppose the big question is, how can he continue to keep that going while also making some difficult decisions later on. With all of that sort of the branding around Rishi Sunak and his popularity that seems to have sort of stemmed from it, was there any sense amongst the party at least that this is all about a future leadership bid? Well, that is the concern. Instead of just getting on with the job of being the Chancellor of the Exchequer in a massive crisis, that it was all a bit too obvious and a bit too blatantly trying to cover that sort of title. If you end up doing your job well, you get talked up as someone with eyes on the big job. But I mean, I'm just looking, let me just have a look, see if I can look through my phone. and. Uh, oh, uh, what have you got? Let me see if I can find <laughs> Who's something. Who's been saying what? Oh, here we go. Here we go. So there were several MPs and a couple of ministers who I know get annoyed about the Rishi Sunak signature stuff and will intermittently send me things pointing out that he's at it again. There was the biggest defence budget boost for 30 years. And the Conservative Party and Conservative MPs were being encouraged to put out this graphic of somebody in the military with night vision goggles on their helmet, sort of all blue lit, looking all very cool. Uh, and it's got the Conservative Party logo on it. But lo and behold, Rishi Sunak has got exactly the same thing, exactly the same slogan, but it's got his signature on the bottom. And behind the scenes, there was quite a big row between the Ministry of Defence and the Treasury about it. And not least because Rishi Sunak was not very happy about spending all this money. So having fought the idea of this, he then tries to take credit for it, putting his signature on it. In terms of the potential icebergs up ahead, is there a danger that he's going to come in for quite a lot of flack for encouraging the economy to reopen over being more cautious about our health? Yeah, it's interesting that. I mean, I think there is a very noisy but quite small group of people who think that Rishi Sunak was to blame for the spike in cases last autumn. That view has been voiced by a number of scientists and experts. They believe the Chancellor's Eat Out to Help Out scheme, a policy which literally had Rishi Sunak's name on it, was key in creating the conditions for a second wave. I'm not totally sure the timing bears it out completely. And I also think that if you ask normal people outside the sort of Westminster bubble, that 
if we hadn't had those few weeks in the summer last year where you could mm. go out to the pub and meet your family and see some friends, the last 12 months would have been really tough. I suspect that on the whole, the public likes the fact that Rishi Sunak gave us an excuse to go to the pub last summer more than being concerned about the impact that might have had on COVID. Rishi Sunak is also blamed for leading the charge within government for reopening the economy, whilst some of his cabinet colleagues believed a more cautious approach was needed to keep infections down. I do think people have forgotten, and there's a really interesting sort of counterfactual in this, is that Matt Hancock got the calls right on most of the big decisions that were made, and Rishi Sunak got them wrong. So Rishi Sunak was always pushing for reopening the economy, particularly going into the autumn last year. You know, he did end furlough and then had to restart mm. it again. There was this sort of debate about hawks and doves. Some in the cabinet were very keen to reopen the economy, and they were the hawks, and the doves were the ones who were more concerned about the health crisis. And it is sort of weird how on those debates, Matt Hancock's won the day and has actually been proved right by all of that, betting everything on vaccines, whereas I think the economic hawks were the ones who said, look, you know, we might not get a vaccine. We can't sit around and wait forever. And actually, Matt Hancock's the one who's been vindicated and he's polled numbers are nothing like Rishi Sunak's. <laughs> but I think on the whole, we're very quick to forget a lot of that. Is there a danger for Rishi Sunak that his popularity lies in the exceptional actions he's taken during the pandemic, but when life returns to normal and he becomes a much more fiscally conservative chancellor, that popularity will be harder to maintain. He'll definitely create some enemies, and there aren't that many moments when you do things that are as effective and important as he's done. But here's the thing. We're, we're talking entirely in terms of the future with Rishi Sunak, and that's perfectly understandable. But don't forget, he's just probably done a year of the most important things he's ever going to do in his life. Whatever he does in the future, whatever he's done in the past, what's happened in the last year, the furlough program, everything, that wasn't just an indication of the future. It was something he actually did that was important in and of itself. I've had this conversation with Matt Hancock as well. You know, the issue isn't, you know, will he be health secretary in two years? The issue is he's health secretary now. He's doing things now that are more important than he could have anticipated ever being required to do. And Rishi's in exactly the same place, right? It may be, it may well be that the next steps when he's trying to withdraw people from the the, the programmes that he's introduced and when he's trying to pay back the money from it, he'll be less popular than he is now. But that doesn't mean... What he did didn't meet with national approval and isn't something that he'll be able to point to later as something that he actually did. It's been a very, very long honeymoon so far, but it could just be a honeymoon for Rishi Sunak and things could change. I mean, it's possible he does come through it all. If he can be honest and straightforward with the public about what's happening and people think, well, he looked after us in the bad times, now we just have to accept that what he's saying this time out, he might be able to, to sell it. It would be a really interesting few months and years and so we'll find out far more where he stands what sort of conservative politician is he is he the one nation politician that he claimed that both he and boris johnson were when he backed him for leader is he a brexiteer who wants to be low tax low spending singapore on sea or are we actually going to end up ironically a more sort of european economy i don't think we really quite totally know that yet if you were a betting man will he be prime minister He's young, he's charismatic, he's attractive, you know, he's a good communicator. 
not many people become prime minister. There's been, what, you know, half a dozen prime ministers in my lifetime. So, you know, not many people get to do it. Timing is crucial. Does Boris Johnson lead the Tory party into the next election is a really interesting question. Does he think that it's worth another go and go on and on and on and on and on? Or does he think, well, you know, in these extraordinary circumstances, he got Brexit done, he won a general election, he got the country through coronavirus and maybe got some other stuff done. And stepping back at that point might be the thing to do and pass on the baton. In that case, I think Rishi Sunak, you would say, is the f- nailed on front runner. If Boris Johnson leads the party into the next election in 2024 and wins, we're at the end of this decade by the time we get to the next election. And who knows then who might have emerged by that point? So I think a lot of it comes down to timing. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. My guests today were Times Radio presenter Matt Shawley, Times Associate Editor and Columnist Lord Finkelstein, and writer for The Northern Echo, Chris Lloyd. You can read Danny Finkelstein's weekly column at thetimes.co.uk and you can listen to Matt Shawley's show on Times Radio Monday to Thursday from 10 to 1. The producers today were Edward Drummond, Ollie Adamson and Chris Hemmings. The executive producer is Poppy Damon and sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you have a story that you'd like us to cover or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. History. 